1: Hello and welcome to the post Minnesota Vikings, Seattle Seahawks, Purple Daily Podcast only version. Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad deep into the night. Judd, are are you okay? You guys were on the radio a long time after Ventline. Were fans um <clears throat> a little upset after this thirty-seven to thirty loss? They were upset,
0: but you know what? I think here's here's what I think the fans are disappointed. But if this team had, because what, what was the score at one point? It was 34-17 early fourth quarter, right? Yep. So I think, I think fans are conflicted, Matthew, because I think at 34-17, fans were downright angry. And then the Vikings came back, and so it became a fun game. So I think there was uh, frustration with, with the play of Xavier Rhodes, for sure. I think there was a conflicted feeling about the result of this game But I don't think that we got the onslaught of angst that we would have if Seattle had continued to pull away. And ultimately, as a football fan, I'm going to tell you right now, I thoroughly enjoyed tonight's game. I thought it was
1: fun. There's no question that it was entertaining. I mean, this is, I don't know, the fourth or fifth time this year that your heart is racing at the end of the game. And yeah. that's what you ask for as a sports fan, to be entertained, to be on the edge of your seat. And you definitely were when Kirk Cousins walked out there with the Vikings at 34 to 30. But I guess I want to start with whether they should be upset about how this went. I mean, if you're down at one point, 34 to 17. And once again, you have to try to come back from a bunch of scores, just like they did against Denver it's not a very good place to be in. And when you're playing a team like Seattle, you usually don't get away with that. I thought they right. were really lucky to be in the position they were because of a massive coverage bust allowed a 58-yard touchdown to Laquan <laughs> Treadwell. I'm sorry I did not have that one on the list of things I expected for tonight's game, but that just sort of spoke to how crazy this one was. I think if you're walking away angry, you are the person who, Who believed Kirk Cousins would come through in this game? And you watched Kirk Cousins play a halfway decent football game, maybe even an above average football game, and yet he was let down in so many other areas. He was let down by a hold from Pat Elfline, one of the few penalties in this game. Shout out Cleet Blakeman. Thank you, sir. Great job. Um, But Delvin Cook fumbles. Xavier Rhodes and Harrison Smith have a miscommunication and Xavier Rhodes isn't fast enough anymore to make up for that and track a guy down. And instead it's a 60 yard touchdown by Russell Wilson. Stefan Diggs has a drops problem so far this year, Judd and we're deep into the season. I thought this would kind of go away, but the, yep. inter- the interception was a great play, but it also is a ball that Stefan Diggs usually snatches. That's one you might expect Someone like B.C. Johnson not to catch, like a rookie, uh, uh, but that goes wrong. And and Kirk brings him back, as he often does when he's down by a couple scores late in the game. He puts up some numbers, and he gets some touchdowns on the board, and then he's got his chance, and everyone's tweeting it. Okay, Kirk, this is all you, buddy, and Booger's talking about it, and we won't get into that because yikes. Um, But Booger's talking about it. Here we go. Here's the Cousins. Turn around the narrative, buddy. And you get to fourth and short. Can't convert. End of the game right there. And uh, also, you know, from the defensive perspective, too, they've got a chance to get a stop. And instead, Seattle just runs over them. And nope, you're not even going to give Kirk Cousins another chance to have that moment in the sun on Monday Night Football and win your first game there ever, I guess. So um, I, I think the most angry person would deservedly be the one that desperately wanted to see Kirk Cousins prove people wrong. And he won't get to say that because of a lot of other players not doing their jobs. Absolutely.
0: Exactly right. And Kirk Cousins was tonight in no way, shape or form the problem. Okay, because I think as a station, we've been very fair about calling out Cousins when he's been the problem. Week two in Green Bay, he screwed up royally, right? I thought as recently as the loss to the Chiefs in Kansas City, Kirk Cousins did not have a good game. Tonight, was Kirk Cousins unbelievable, fantastic? No, but he was not the problem. Um, But big picture, here's my problem with tonight's loss. So I'm going to go beyond this one game, okay? And Matthew, I'm going to tell you what my problem is. My problem is this. The 2019 Vikings, I believe, to be a good team. There, There was a time that I thought they could probably be, if not outstanding, closer to that. But the 2019 Vikings are a good team. But pull up your schedule right now. And with four games left, and by the way, there's four games left against teams that I believe they should should win all, all four, including the Packers game, because it's here. You tell me right now, how many victories do you circle or identify and say, those are impressive wins. I'm going to give you still, and this team is a dumpster fire right now, but it was in Dallas. So I'm going to say the Dallas win, I'm not going to try and minimize. But outside of that, Week two in Green Bay, you had every opportunity opportunity to come back from 21 nothing down, right? And you didn't do it. Um, Chicago in week four, and that is now a bad loss because Chicago's not good. But you didn't win that game. Then, then fast forward to Kansas City. You didn't win there. And then tonight, you had a chance for what I really felt, and you're up by seven at halftime, could have been a season-defining victory in Seattle that would have put you in control of so much and to me would have gotten you into the conversation that I eliminated you from because I'm Judd Zolgan and we do of you are now a Super Bowl contender and you had every opportunity to win this game and you didn't. And so my problem is I have one win that I can say, that's a pretty nice win. And that's not good enough for a team that had aspirations to try and win a championship.
1: The other thing about that too, Judd, is that a couple of the losses could have been much worse than they even were by the final score. Green Bay gets up 21-0, and you have to grind and grind and try to get back, and and you end up blowing it at the end with Kirk Cousins' interception, but – you would have expected you get down by that much that you would lose that game by more. And then you win the game against Denver and everyone's excited. And that's totally fine. You could be excited. It was a, it was a fun ending and wow, a 20 point comeback comebacks are fun. But if you're trying to look at it from the bigger picture, um, you got down 20, nothing to Denver. They bench that quarterback one week later. Right. And uh, you know, that Dallas game, I would say don't conflate a game that was really fun and good with a good win because Buffalo just went down there and trounced that team, and I think the Vikings should be better than a team like Buffalo. But the Jets beat that Dallas team, right? I, I mean, yes. that, Dallas is just not a good co- team. They're not very well coached. They're average. They're six and six, and and you look at the Oakland win. There's a six and six team that has a minus eighty four point differential. <laughs> You're totally right that when you look at this schedule and you try to figure out where is your best win. And you have to go to, well, it's with that team that everyone is suggesting that they're fired or that that their coach gets fired. Well, that doesn't exactly make you look like you have a great resume to take into the playoffs. And this one, yes, it came down to the end, but very similarly to Green Bay, it really shouldn't have. I mean, you can't lose Laquan Treadwell on a 58-yard touchdown if you're the Seattle Seahawks. You can't fumble at the end of that game after pulling off the fake punt. And Seattle just allowed them to be in the game and be in the game. But they're up 34 to 17 in the fourth quarter. That's not a game I look at and say, man, you were right there. You kind of work as they let you back in. But you got yourself into that really terrible position where in a playoff game, you very, very rarely ever can come back and win. And now things are set up, Judd to face it looks like the Packers more likely than not if things play out just how we think they will you're probably going to have to travel to Lambeau Field and when you're talking about this Vikings team that hasn't really beat anyone on the road in the winter time asking them to play a much cleaner game than they've played in a lot of the big ones uh, that they've had this year. it's a, It just becomes a very big stretch. So that's where, yeah, you don't have to panic because you lost by seven points to Seattle. It's a good Seattle team. They're 10-2. and two. They've got one of the best quarterbacks in the league and certainly can do a lot of other things than just throw the ball with Russell Wilson. But if you're trying to take this as part of the bigger picture, you've had some chances to prove yourself and you haven't really done it. Exactly right.
0: And, and that's the thing about this team and the other incredible discussion that i can't believe we're we're broaching here on what december 3rd of 2019 is that the discussion revolves around not kirk cousins not the offense really it revolves around the defense and matthew i never saw it getting to this i mean we're we're talking now about past defense breakdowns and it's not just one game as you know it's consistently you you were down 20 rip to as you said denver and a rookie quarterback who's really not good and has been benched um we're talking about interior pressure from the defensive line we're talking about i i don't know how many yards after contact in the run game seattle got tonight but it was a lot and so the script has been flipped as as well And this all comes back to why I just now, and tonight confirmed it, and I've been going in this direction, but tonight again confirmed it. This is why I just can't get my head around having a realistic discussion about, well, if this just breaks right or that just breaks right, I think the 2019 Vikings, without question, are a playoff team. But, Matthew, as far as I'm concerned, that's it now. They're a playoff team, but I have no expectation that this team is going to now You know, as you said, go to Lambeau Field in January and win. Sorry, I can't go there.
1: And there are very few teams in recent history that have gotten a wild card spot like the number five or six seed and found themselves in the Super Bowl. It really just doesn't happen that often. And look at the other teams in the NFC and their strength after this one. It looks to me like there is a separation between New Orleans, San Francisco, and Seattle, which was the better team for the majority of the night. And uh, there is a disturbing stat with that that I want to talk about, which is 444 yards and 39 minutes of possession. That, uh, uh, again, speaks to this was not as close as the score said it was because they really trucked over you for the majority of this game. 218 yards rushing judd and i looked this up only the fourth time in the mike zimmer era where an opposing team has run for 200 yards and what was very interesting to me we wondered for the last two weeks what's gonna happen here with mike zimmer and how he's gonna play defense against russell wilson what's gonna be the strategy and i mentioned a number of times ben don't break right well that's exactly what they tried to do They tried to force Seattle to do 14-play drives, but guess what? Seattle's really good at football. They have a great quarterback who can convert third downs. They have two very good running backs, and they throw six offensive linemen in there, which I don't know the Vikings were really prepared for. I don't think that they were ready to have six offensive linemen running them over, and the interior of this defensive line was something that we brought up in the offseason as – Is Sheldon Richardson really uh, that good last year or can they replace him? Well, the answer is he was really that good last year. And Tom Johnson was really that good in the past because we're seeing it now. Teams can run up the middle. Teams, quarterbacks can step up in the pocket when the edge rushers come flying by them. And I don't have a good solution to that. They brought back Shamar Steffen for cheap. Maybe that's the best you can do. Uh, Fadi Adenabo is rotating in there. He does a pretty decent job, but he's not a run stuffer whatsoever. And Seattle basically just said, oh, so you're going to try and put a safety over the top and stop us from hitting those explosive plays. Great. We'll take six yards a carry. And that's exactly what they did. And then when the Vikings knew, even when they knew at the end of the game, you guys are going to run three times, they were still able to plow them over and get first downs. Well, guess what the Green Bay Packers have, Judd? They've got Aaron Jones, and they've got Jamal Williams. They've got a very good running game. And uh, New Orleans has Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara. They've got a very good running game. The San Francisco 49ers have several guys that they go to. Find me a team in the playoffs here that doesn't have a a good running game. If I'm one of those teams, I'm going to say to the Vikings, either I'm going to beat Xavier Rhodes one-on-one deep or I'm going to hand it off all day and you can't stop me from doing both. I think that's very concerning to their chances to go anywhere in the postseason.
0: Well, and I, I think it's safe to say now defensively as well, there's no fixes here. Like I I was, and we, we discussed this in depth during the bye week, but, you know, I kept saying, what's Mike going to adjust, right? He can't change his personnel. I completely get that. But can he come up with being the defensive guru that – Mike is could he come up with the adjustments here or the tweaks and scheme or just something to stop the bleeding here and the answer really Matthew is no he can't he can't and the fact that Rhodes continues to play so much I don't get but I gotta think that Mike has thrown up his hands and either said Holton Hill and Mike Hughes can play some but they can't play consistently I don't know but this What we saw tonight is what is going to happen to your defense in a playoff game. And I'm now convinced that there's no tweak or adjustment or something to say, oh, he figured this out. Because if they had figured something out, guess what? It would have been unveiled tonight, and we would probably be talking about a Vikings offense that played a pretty decent damn good game and a Vikings win. So I'm now at the point where, This is not to say that that Zim got dumb, but it is to say that I think he's taken this group and and this scheme for right now as far as it could possibly go, and there's no magic fix now that's going to be the next step. So in January, you all of a sudden say, I can't believe this. I think that this is the defense, and incredibly, because I I did not think during the course of this year I'd be saying this, Matthew, but incredibly – It's
1: just not good enough. Yep. And tonight really showed it in a number of ways. And you think about everything Seattle did wrong, and they still put up 37 points on you. Russell Wilson batted his own pass to the Vikings for a touchdown. I mean, he's too short. I've never seen anything like that before. He Judd. tried to what? bat it down. Yeah, he's too short. He's he couldn't too short. get above it. Finally, why
0: fell to the third round, it took Matthew.
1: eight years in the NFL and a Super Bowl victory and another Super Bowl performance to Russell Wilson's height to finally catch up with him. But it did tonight. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's one of the weirdest plays I've ever seen. But think yep. about that though, Judd. They they fumbled. They gave you an interception for a touchdown. And yet here we are still with 37 points on the board for Russell Wilson. And, you know, that's kind of the point, too, about the Seattle Seahawks. And it has been for a while with Wilson is they can have a lot of things go wrong on their side. And yet he'll still find a way. He didn't have a great game tonight. That He's not going to go home and put this one, you know, in his all time, you know, whatever. Uh, collage or something. Greatest but hits? Yeah. Russell right. Wilson's
0: greatest hits album.
1: But 240 yards at almost eight yards a pass and a 98 quarterback rating at the end of the day. And that's enough to get you a win if you're Russell Wilson. He hit the shots that he needed to hit. He converted the third downs that he needed to hit. And uh spoiler alert my column on scorenorth.com, I ended it by saying with Kirk Cousins as your quarterback you can't do all the things that the Vikings did wrong. That's more Russell Wilson's speed. His team could have done all the things that the Vikings did, and he would still find a way to win, whereas sure. Cousins, he's not going to. And that's where it really hurts your belief that they can go someplace in the playoffs, is Cousins played the type of game that you would kind of expect from him in a uh, against a decent team, but he just didn't get the help required to win, even though he played... Pretty well. And I want to talk about the offensive side, Judd, because speaking of not getting a lot of help, Stefan Diggs, nine targets, four receptions, a couple of good catches, but also a couple of drops, a catch that he probably should make on an interception. Just not a very good night for him. And one of the biggest questions that was showing up in my Twitter feed is uh, Stefan Diggs' hands have just not really been the same this year as they have been in the past, even though he's had a very, very good season. And tonight, Seattle found a way to keep him from from getting deep. Seattle kept him in front of them, and they gave up 6.3 yards per pass attempt to Stephon Diggs, which is... 13 yards less than he averages. They stopped the bootlegs. And I have thought since week two, Judd, that there is an answer to the bootlegs with Cousins. He's so good with them. But yep. that throw to CJ Ham told me something right away that they were going to run somebody at Cousins every time he does the, the bootlegs. And he didn't have three or four seconds very often. He didn't roll easily out to his left, out of the pocket very many times because they were ready for that. And I thought yep. it made life much more difficult on him.
0: And as a football fan, this is why. As a fan, okay. So r- remove the fact that we cover the Vikings, but as people who observe football, this is why it offended me so greatly when Jim Schwartz and the Eagles came to town, right, and didn't do that because we saw it. I mean, you talked about it extensively. Week two, Green Bay. The Green Bay Packers spent that entire game doing what? Running a guy straight at Cousins. Yep. And it threw him him off. Now, now. I would say this. The week two, 2019, Kirk Cousins was was far behind where Cousins is now. Totally the, agree. In early December. This quarterback is much improved. But nonetheless, that made complete sense. And the Seahawks aren't dumb. The Seahawks said, oh, this probably works. And it, it did. And again, Cousins tonight, not the problem. Is Kirk Cousins going to raise up and become Brett Favre? Absolutely not. But if you look at Cousins's performance tonight, it was just fine. But that being said, that's why I, did, I haven't understood why teams that have the personnel to do it have not emulated what the Packers put on film in week two. And tonight, Seattle, very smart team, very well coached, and disciplined, said, we'll do that. And guess what? It worked. Now, it didn't throw Cousins, I didn't think, into a tizzy. He didn't melt down. But nonetheless, the approach to what Seattle did defensively against the Vikings offense, made perfect sense and as a football fan i relish seeing teams that actually are smart
1: yes yeah no i i agree that um and this one had two smart coaching staffs coaches that have won a lot of football games a lot of pro bowlers and, and great players in this one and it got super weird and made for high entertainment value now where i'm interested on the offense judd is adam thielen when he returns if he returns Uh, He doesn't get on the plane to even come out to this game. He's ruled out by Saturday, even though it was trending toward him playing. Now they're going to play Detroit, which I almost feel like you should just keep him out. But then he's going to have to be worked back into an offense that hasn't had him in a really long time, which I'm not saying is impossible to fit in a Pro Bowl player. You should be able to figure it out if you're Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski, but as we talk about how cousins might look when it comes to these big games, how much of a a part of that is Adam Thielen coming back? I mean, how much could that change the dynamic? I don't know that it really can uh, by a huge margin. That would make me think, okay, now they can beat new Orleans in the Superdome. Probably not, but I do want to see it though. I mean, I hope he's back by the Monday night game against the Packers because I really do want to see this team at its full strength or very close to it uh, with Adam Thielen back in there and the way Stefan Diggs has largely played for the entire season to know whether they can compete as an offense. It's just, can they put together complete games, offense and defense against really good teams? I know that these other teams can at different times, but I'm not sure that they can.
0: Offensively, I think they probably can. Defensively, I have huge question marks now. And and that's the one the one thing about the Packers game at US Bank Stadium that intrigues me now is this. Aaron Rodgers is not the guy that he or not the quarterback that he probably was three, four years back. I understand that, but he's still pretty damn good. And and I don't and I don't think that he's immediately the type of guy who's going to come into this building and get flustered, okay? So against this defense now, do I put it past him to to have a very good game? I absolutely don't offensively I think this team's in decent shape the one thing that we saw again tonight and it's going to be a problem against good teams and it's been a problem all year long it's just been I I think propped up at times the offensive line at times right Matthew yes because this offensive line struggled tonight Seattle's a good team they're not great but defensively they're good they're they're okay I should say but you know I can't sit here and say when the offensive line struggles now I'm shocked because I'm, I'm not. I'm not. There's going to be games where this offensive line b- barely gets by and Cousins has to make quicker throws. And it, it's going to be a work in progress, and it definitely needs to be improved for 2020. But this offensive line, you know, there, there's been no point in time where I would say – man, it's improved enough where I'm completely confident.
1: Yep, I agree with that, and their ability to keep Cousins in the pocket and make him just anxious enough. Seattle does not have an unbelievable pass rush. It's not even really a good pass rush. They have one good player, and he's battling an injury. One really good player. Reed is pretty good, too, but I mean, Clowney is their only big-time guy. Even down the stretch here at the end of the schedule, they're going to have to play in Los Angeles. Bosa, a very good defensive line there. They're going to have to play Chicago again week 17 that you cannot just write in a W when Kirk Cousins is 0 and 3 against Matt Nagy and, and that Chicago defense, no matter how Trubisky was playing Trubisky last year made enough plays against them in week 17 to win that game. And so there's sort of conflicting parts of me, Judd that still feel like, yeah, this is a team that is good and there's no question about that. You don't put up offensive numbers like this without being a good team, but at the same time, now, I'm not even certain about really anything except for Detroit. Uh, David, Blau, however you pronounce his name, Blau. Uh, okay, all right. You should take care of him at U.S. Bank Stadium. If you lose to him, then all bets are off. And we're oh, talking yeah. about well, you to yeah. playoffs. Yes. Agree, But Los Angeles, not a give me. They lose every game by three or seven points with something weird happening, but that doesn't mean this couldn't be the one time where they strip sack Cousins or something like that because whenever the other team has an elite defensive player on the defensive line, you start yep. to get nervous. And even Denver, Denver can't sack anybody this year. And they sack Kirk Cousins five times and they did enough to get a strip sack out of him. And even tonight, Seattle, very close to a strip sack. I mean, it was initially called that... That then ruled a forward pass, but very, very, very close to a strip sack. And that's what your nightmare is, because, you know, if this team makes mistakes, they're not going to win. They almost have to be everybody in sync, everybody playing really well, unless it's the Denver Broncos to win uh, against a good team. And that's hard to do a bunch of times. But, Judd, is there something that they could do over the next few weeks that would change your mind after this game?
0: About, what, their potential as a Super Bowl contender? Yes. No. No, this was the game. This was the game. Or Kansas City was the game. Or Green Bay in Week 2 was the game. Right. No. Um, because the Packers game is going to be a good test. But you tonight, you could have taken this division by the throat and controlled it. And you could have put yourself in a position that would have been fantastic. Home field, potentially. I mean, we how long... Have we talked about if you bring teams into US Bank Stadium in the playoffs? It's a different ball game, right? Yep. yep. Quarterbacks freak out. You know, you play San Francisco here. Okay, that defense for the Niners is still really good, but Jimmy Garoppolo might completely melt down here. Jimmy Garoppolo there, not going to melt down in yeah. San Francisco. Yep. Um, you know, you bring the Saints here again. They can beat them. We've seen it before. Yep. So no, there is nothing now that can make me go to well you know what there might be something here and the other thing too to keep in mind is this you know these last two games are a concern now you lost tonight but i still there there's a large part of me that can't get past the fact that you played the denver broncos in your own building and they're not good and you were down 20 to nothing and as you said earlier in the podcast, the comeback and the story of the comeback in Cousins and the win was fun. And it's a good story. But you still gave up 20 points and looked absolutely for 30 minutes of football completely dead. Yep. So if anything, I'm going more towards uh, being more and more skeptical than being more and more optimistic.
1: And, and this game, I think, should push you in that direction not because of the final score or how the quarterback played, but because of what the score was in the fourth quarter. And if you're going to ask the Vikings to be down in games and come back and win them, uh, we've seen that they're capable of getting back into a game like this, but it's a huge, huge ask. If you're going to say, hey, beat a team. Remember when Cousins said in week, I don't know, week one, when he threw 10 passes and he said, well, at some point we're going to have to win a game 51 to 52. Well, this one was 37 to 30 and he didn't win it, right? I mean, this was the one where your defense did not play very well and you needed to overcome that and you weren't able to do that. And that's always the big thing that we talk about with actually trying to win a Super Bowl is do you have the Russell Wilson who can do that? And the answer is not really. And mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, I, I guess I get to the end of this game and I feel the same way you do, Judd, is that we hyped it up as, hey, prove it to us, prove it to everyone, prove it to your fan base that they shouldn't be nervous about the rest of the season or that they should go into the playoffs with confidence or or win a home playoff game or whatever, whatever. And uh, they didn't do that. And now I look at the rest of the season, the number of mistakes that they made. I look at the rest of the season and go, you know, there's there's reason to be a little anxious here. Um, And I looked just to see if the Vikings this is as of right now. So this could change with scenarios. If somehow Los Angeles got hot and won out and the Vikings lost one game and they both were 11 and five at this moment, Los Angeles would get that six seed. And that, that could change, but how, how crazy would that be? Right. So Los Angeles isn't dead. They're one game behind the Vikings and all of a sudden this got hairy again, right? When we thought, well, okay, you know, they should cruise, uh, but there's still one team that you have to eliminate. So now we go into these next few games, this upcoming one, not really included, but green Bay, Los Angeles, not in that order. And then Chicago, There's tension there. This isn't just, hey, go beat those teams, like the end of 2017 where it was Cincinnati and Chicago. Hey, just go beat those teams, win the NFC North. This does not have that feel, Jed.
0: It doesn't, but I fully expect them to. If they, boy, if they go to the Chargers and lose, then I, I think, or let's say they lose to the Chargers and Bears, Matthew, or something like that, then I think the conversation pivots to a much darker place. Oh yeah, I mean, no, I agree. I mean yep, I mean much darker. Yep. And if the playoff spot is lost, then I think the conversation goes to an incredibly dark place. Yeah. I mean this and so, this
1: would be one of the all time Viking meltdowns if this were to happen. And I'm not I'm not there yet. It's just with a loss like this, when there are so many things that you do wrong, you give up a 60 yard touchdown where you just forget whose assignment it is. This is Xavier Rhodes and Harrison Smith. How does that happen? I mean, these guys have been playing together since 2015 or 2000. I got a question
0: for you. Question for you off that. Do you think that during the course of the bye week Mike promised Rhodes more safety help or something because Rhodes, you know, Rhodes melts down continually Rhodes gets into screaming matches with Mike a lot. Rhodes slams his helmet quite a bit. We saw all those things, we did. but I don't yeah. ever remember. I, I don't remember till tonight seeing him melt down on, on a safety, and it was almost as if somebody had promised him, we'll get you more help, and then they didn't. Because Harrison Smith coming up to, to the line like he did on that play and not dropping back is very, very common. I, it just, it seemed like there was a different dynamic at play there on that play and Rhodes defaulting to like going up to Smith and getting in, in his face to, to say, where were you took it to a step that I don't recall unless I'm wrong. No, I that don't seen. think I've
1: ever seen that. I've seen him frustrated before, but I have yep. not seen something like that. And that even, even throwing his helmet, that was a little farther than I can remember. Save Rhodes going. And those two miscommunicating is just something that should never happen at this point, at this point in the season, at this point with Zimmer's defense. But then you have to also add to it. Hey, I mean, there was no reason to drop off that coverage, though. I'm going to have to go back and look at the play. But I don't think that there was any reason there was nobody coming his way where Xavier would have to drop off that coverage. So why wouldn't he run tight with more on that play? I think I, he I, was trying to, and he just got torched. But there was, Judd, yes, there was a lot right. of deep safety coverage, and I thought it was very interesting that Russell Wilson said after the game, that's why we ran so much, is they stuck the safeties way back there out of fear that we were going to hit a play deep. And now I guess that tells you that any team that they play going forward here in the postseason is going to either pick one or the other thing. like that. They're, if But they that's want, the fix then, right? Well, that's the attempted fix against this team. We'll see how it goes against other teams, but that's how they fix it against this team. And this is where the island corner thing comes in, Judd, because if you have Deion Sanders or you have Xavier Rhodes in his prime, or if you have Darrell Revis, guess what? That entire other side of the field gets way more help. But when you don't have that island corner anymore, which clearly Rhodes was not playing that position tonight, all of a sudden you got to give help. It opens up other spots. And this is why the defense was bound to slip back at some point because these things happen. And, uh, can I give you one name? Sure. I think, you know, the name I'm going to mention. Who's the name you're going to mention.
0: Jalen Ramsey was available.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we can go back to that and Minka Fitzpatrick too, or Marcus Peters too. Uh, I would just go back to even free agency, even the off season, even Holton Hill or, or even Mike Hughes and, Wonder a little bit now, of course, Holton Hill was suspended the first eight games and Hughes was injured. But wonder a little bit. Should you have seen this coming? And it's hard for me to say that um, that we didn't because you and I did. We did see this coming. We talked about it during the offseason that this was inevitable. And also the other part of it, too, though, Xavier Rhodes and the penalties. I I mean, it, it hurts them as much almost as some of the catches against him. Is it wasn't a pass interference this time, but it's a 15 yard penalty for throwing a guy out of bounds and that That was stupid up a touchdown right i mean he's done that before. but he's done that stuff before it's part of his value as a player or it takes away from his value as a player how about kicking the uh flag or throwing the flag i forget what it was in los angeles 15 yard penalty they end up scoring a touchdown like these are things that have always been part of his game if he's not an island corner who's shutting down the other team's best player he's not that good and this year Coming into this game, 80th out of 86 corners by pro football focus and by quarterback rating against. I mean, it's hard to justify continuing to run him out there as much as they have. It's hard to justify bringing him back after his numbers were similarly bad last year. And that's the kind of mistake that you're going to look at and say, well, I mean, who do we put this on? I mean, should they have seen it coming? Should they not have? Would they not have reasonably seen it coming? I think they would have. So. Uh, These are the types of things that could end up hurting them as we go down the road. Ultimately, not the end of the world by any means. Vikings are still in the driver's seat. But I've been here long enough now to say this, Judd. It is never over until it is over. You are never in the playoffs until you are in the playoffs as the Minnesota Vikings. So it will be fascinating to continue to break this down as we go (laughs) forward. Judd. You are a beast with all of your uh, radio today. Great stuff uh, by you. You did vent line. You did a gopher vent line today. So uh, good for you. And uh, we will be on with Courtney Cronin, who's going to fly back from Seattle, jump right on the show. Alex Boone's going to break it down, and we'll have lots coming up on Purple Daily. So make sure you listen and check out uh, Judd and I's columns at scorenorth.com. Thanks, Judd. See you later. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Purple Daily.